वेलकम टू चाय पे खर्चा वेर वी हैव कॉन्वर्सेशन ऑन पर्सनल फाइनेंस अमंग फोर एन आर आई प्रोफेशनल्स वर्किंग एट टेक फॉर्म्स थिंक ऑफ दीज लाइक वाटर कूलर चैट्स यू हैव एट द ऑफिस ओनली दिस टाइम यू विल हैव ईशान माधवेश रोहित एंड सिद्धार्थ एज कलीग्स यू विल बी लिसनिंग इन टू बिफोर वी गेट स्टार्टेड अट क्विक डिस्कलेमर वी आर नॉट फाइनेंशियल एक्सपर्ट्स The content provided in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult with a qualified financial professional if you need financial advice. Welcome back. We will continue from where we left off in the last episode. Hope you enjoy the show. this is i'm already working away learning something that i kind of didn't know too much about your option one that you I, i was not aware of the option of etfs being you can kind of use fund managers from singapore i should be looking into that option for sure but you're right again pros and cons across both options you kind of decide what works and yeah this is one of those where i've always felt it is no right way you choose your way and then see what's the best way you can make it work i guess I I want to learn something from you guys though what is insurance you talked about insurance what's your general thought process both you what are your thought process on insurances here what are the kind of insurance policies that you think an nri versus yeah let's talk about this nris like an nri you guys being an nri yourself how do you approach insurance what are some of the policies that you guys subscribe to and uh, yeah not necessarily advice but generally what works for you i can start i think insurance and connecting it to the larger theme of money management i feel like investments are literally the last thing that you need to do in terms of managing your money there is 50 different things that you should do first before even thinking about equity investment and this investment and that investment that is literally like the last step and insurance is very near the top of what you should do before getting into anything else right like the whole idea is and i'll i'll take an example of maybe like a test cricket match or something the idea is to stay on the pitch right you may not have you don't have to hit a six on every single ball right like the way to win the match is to stay on the pitch for as long as you can and that's how you win the match converting that or translating that into the world of personal finances your staying power right you you cannot afford to get wiped out you have to be able to play the game to win the game and insurance is the way that you ensure that you are able to play the game right within insurance i think it also changes and evolves as your life evolves as your net worth sort of improves i would say that at the early stages of your career uh, and if specifically if you have dependents who rely on you for income you in my mind i prefer having a higher amount of term insurance coverage which basically insures against my death right now there's a basic principle that as you live longer your chances of living even longer goes higher right so as you become 60 year old your chances of hitting 70 is much higher compared to when you are a 5 year old 
because a lot of things can go wrong when you're a five year old, which will prevent you from getting to 70 versus when you're already 60 and there is a higher likelihood that you'll get to 70. So what that principle essentially says is that as you age, right, like maybe I'm assuming all of us are in our mid to late 30s, probably somewhere around that, your chances of living longer are higher, which means term insurance in my mind becomes less critical. And health insurance and things like disability, critical illness, accidental coverage, like those things become much more. Hmm. Like my biggest threat that I perceive is not the fact that I will die and my dependents will be left hanging. I think I have done enough to not have them face that situation. What will be the worst situation is that I become incapable of earning, but I'm not dead. And I'm draining out all the money because of my treatments and my procedures and my therapies and all that stuff. So health insurance. Health insurance, critical illness, hmm. accidental disability, full partial disability. There are a bunch of different things. Obviously, I would say the insurance market in India in terms of the death and coverage of products is relatively limited. It has significantly improved over the last several years. But mm -hmm. compared to some of the policies that you might find in a Singapore or in a more developed economy, uh, I feel there is some way to go for the Indian markets and the Indian insurance players. Just over-invest in insurance. Like that's the real investment. All that stuff around equity and property and crypto. If you don't do it, put your money in FD. You'll still be fine as long as you have good insurance. Yeah, okay, okay. I, I get the point now. I've, what I've been doing all this while for 10-15 years, all of it is wrong. I get it. Right? It makes sense. No, jokes aside, so, okay, I'll throw a scenario to you. I think you mentioned it, right? Let's say someone is NRI in Singapore, whatever, 30 to 40 years of age, wants to approach insurance, right? Uh, and it's not the general insurance that is covered by the, the employer and stuff. He wants to understand, like you said, could be term insurance, could be health insurance. How do you approach? What's your suggestion to them? Start with health, then accidental, or is there any order? What is general suggestion that you have? I would say it needs to be a combination of health and life insurance. And obviously, okay. the trade-off is how much premium can you afford to pay? One. Second is how many dependents do you have on yourself, right? And what are their needs and like what's the calculation of how much insurance you need to take? And then the third is around disability. Do you want to take up a lot of heavy insurance in Singapore? Your parents are dependent on you and they don't live in Singapore. Then do you want to create a situation where you are not around and they have to deal with paperwork in a foreign country, their advanced age, or you want to make it easier for them by making sure that all your insurance needs are covered in your home country where they are more familiar and they can an agent or someone to help out with the paperwork. So I think those three things kind of come together to help inform your decision making. Personally, what I am doing is my health insurance. I have been negligent. I have not taken personal health insurance in Singapore, but I have good coverage from my employer. I assume that at a point where I'm no longer employed, I'll probably not be living in Singapore for too long for me to have a need of health insurance. That's like somewhat sort of a self-story that I've been telling myself to justify my decisions. So I've not made the effort of purchasing health insurance. I was on the verge of taking up term insurance in Singapore. We did that podcast episode with one of our guests 
who spoke about ease of access to the people who are going to be the beneficiaries of that money and that instantly changed my mind dropped the plan of taking up any term insurance in singapore i'm currently in india for like the end of year holidays and literally after this call i'm talking to an insurance agent to take up a term plan um so the term plan will be in india because i'm not employed in india i also carry a health insurance uh, which is based in india so for whenever i come back to india i want to lock in that plan now because obviously as you age there are chances that you might get some sort of illness or some pre-existing condition or whatever it just becomes more difficult to get a new insurance policy at an advanced age compared to at a younger age so i think your 30s are probably like the last good time for you to get into proper insurance after you are 40 it's all downhill guys <laughs> so so get those things done as early as you can um so that's the plan in my case like my term insurance 100% going to be in india always never going to be you know my health insurance i treat it as a backup policy in india but i do plan to take up a potential like a health insurance policy in singapore or i will be in the future so that me and my wife are both covered under that because i think in foreign countries in developed countries specifically health costs are significantly higher like the same treatment that you get in india you'll probably pay 10x 20x of that amount in a singapore or in the us so that's how i think about it. i'll just add one tangent to it on the age at which you should get insurance so as you're thinking about health insurance for yourself you should also think about health insurance for your parents because that also is applicable ki aapke parents ko 60 ke age mein it is difficult but still relatively easier to get them a health insurance compared to 70 compared to 80 so as they keep aging and in case they have any pre-existing conditions then it is almost impossible to get them uh, health insurance. So, get them health insurance as soon as you can so that renewal is easy. Once they get it, you can keep renewing it year after year. But if they don't have it, then getting a new one is the problem. 100%. I'll share a real example of my own family literally three months ago. So I live in a joint family, right? So my mom, dad, like my dad's elder brother and his wife. They both have these old government company insurance, which are amount, which is in today's world, right? My dad is the younger brother. So he's still under 65. I was able to transfer their policy to a different private sector insurance company. Much higher premium coverage, host of benefits and my above 65. He was able to get some marginal benefits, but for my, there's just no available in the market. They are unfortunately stuck in that old insurance scheme coverage. No additional benefits on different diseases and conditions. Room ambulance ke cost coverage limit laga ke hoga. Pre and post hospitalization mein kuch coverage laga ke hoga. So there are too many terms and conditions, not enough benefits, high premium, low coverage, just the worst of everything. But we are stuck with that. Even with that bad insurance, my aunt had to go through a fairly major surgery just last month and that insurance policy covered some of it. So it just goes to show that insurance will always be a net 
beneficial investment having a bad insurance is still better than having no insurance especially like the health insurance part so thankfully we were able to get enlightened enough that my mom and dad are well covered now i feel like for the next 10 plus years but unfortunately we couldn't do much in terms of getting that right coverage amount that i would have been comfortable with for my uncle so make your decisions quickly while there is still time for yourself for your parents if you have grandparents see what you can do because health costs are probably going to be the biggest drain on your finances than anything else that you will income all right cool let's move on from insurance and talk a little bit about investments and then we can close out with a quick question on fire so varun you already called out that most of your money you have put it in india and i think you said around 80% or so is invested in equity and hybrid and balanced funds within that do you segregate between economies like do you have mutual funds in india which allow you to invest in let's say a us market or a china or whatever or are your mutual funds solely focused on indian uh, equities only uh, and then uh, apart from equities are there other asset classes that you have also invested in? from what i know uh, all of it is in the indian market only for now i have been toying with the idea of investing in different economies mm-hmm. somewhat of it is a try using stashaway it primarily uh, does that across china across us market across european across bonds gold and other things as well so that's been a bit of a foray into figuring that out primarily though has been in the indian market in itself from what the savings part of my money that's been going when when i say this i say it with a bit of how do i put this maybe like i said the risk appetite of it or playing it a little safe on the known unknowns versus the unknown unknowns i don't know necessarily how it works to be investing in the european market what are some of the regulations there that's going to come and bite me later i don't know what are some of those things mm-hmm. uh, not that i'm an expert at knowing it in india but i think i'll be able to manage it a little better just because it's home field there are people around you who can give you advice it's familiar setting the such right so that's again been the mentality of which but uh, this is you're also at that age where i think there is you can look at newer avenues newer opportunities to see what are the things that you can get at and i am definitely open to it now so more i read up about it i'm trying to find out about you as bet how split as such that rohit for example i know you mentioned you're sending back a lot to india but is it across different economies or is it primarily within india uh, for me all my money that is in india is invested but i keep a portion of my money in singapore which is distributed across some southeast asian markets i don't do too much in european economies so it's mostly like some of the really emerging markets like in indonesia or a vietnam some small amount in a china maybe and i use platforms such as the ones you mentioned just to get like little bit exposure just more like just to play around with it rather than having anything meaningful and then some amount in like the us s&p 500 big daddy of stock markets said what about you yeah for, for me us indian so i am also very similar to i spent most of it in india and this 
monies in India is on Indian markets. Outside of that, the US market, some of it through equity that we've gotten from our employers and some of it by myself, some in Singapore. Singapore because two things, Singapore's currency is very stable and there is less volatility, which it's like a more sophisticated FD when you invest in an index fund in Singapore. That's a good one. Actually, one thing that I want to be doing and I'm not doing enough is invest more in dividend stocks or dividend yielding instruments. The more corpus we keep building as we keep working, I think I should, and in fact, any, everyone should start thinking more on the dividend yielding stocks, which are not necessarily having a lot of capital growth, but they will keep giving back money to you and some amount of capital growth again becomes a big advantage over time. Cool. That brings us, I think, to our last topic for the day. Do you have a fire number in your mind? Yeah, I have, I have to firstly admit, uh, I heard your podcast and few other things that's kind of when I even learned about fire. You call it ignorance, you call it other things, but I didn't know so much. I mean, you mentally are thinking of it. I just didn't know it is called fire. What retire early, right? From, from that aspect. So I don't necessarily have a number. For a long time, I used to have a, like a, what a chronological thing, a year in my mind saying that I need to stop, figure out my life or fin don't, don't worry about money post 45, 50, whatever that number used to be. Now I'm trying to kind of understand more from a number point of view. Maybe I'm 60, 70% there already from the point that because I foresee that I want to get back to India and, and my life will be going forward there. That's that's the thing. But I think I'm a little away from zeroing in on a number just because relatively, and I'm, I'm saying this relatively, at least compared to the two of you, I'm also relatively newly married. So the idea of family and what that looks like will also put up a bit of a your fire number or years or whatever can be pushed or pulled up, whatever it may be, right? So I, I think I'm still in the phase of figuring that out of what that number should be can be dollar amount can be year amount I'm still thinking of it but I'm a little further away from zeroing saying that yeah I need I don't know 10 crores 7 crores whatever that number be but and then after that I'm set because the idea of and okay I'll, I'll share this as a bit of a personal story right I'm trying to convince my father also to be like stop working he's 65 and, and I'm telling him enough hang up your boots it's good time You've been doing this for the last five years, comes back to me with the same question. What do I do after I quit? And we don't have a great answer, which is kind of also why not been necessarily successful in convincing him. So there's the aspect of health and all of that. That's fine. Yeah, you want to take care of your health. Don't stress so much. But what do you do after that, right? So on similar lines, when you say the idea of retire early, I think the retire early is a bit of a caveat of it's not necessarily stop working. Uh, my idea is still I'm trying to figure out Okay, what would be that once I stop working for money or stop working for a salary? Uske baad kya karna hai? So there's a lot to be figured out still. Right? So when, when I look at my father and saying that he's only been like, I don't know what needs to be done post that. I'm like, hai, mere paas thoda time hai. I'll figure it out over time. That's at least my thinking or generally my philosophy on fire. But you guys operate with a certain timeline. How does it work for you guys? I think... Again, my thoughts have evolved as I've learned and experienced a little bit more. I used to be very much like an age number, but 
eventually I realized that if you don't have money at that age, how the fuck are you going to retire, right? I think it basically boils down to having a number and then being able to achieve it. And then to your point, I think maybe like the FIRE acronym needs to be changed out a little bit. And for people who don't know, FIRE means financial independence retired early. Just an acronym that's used in personal finance circles to say that save money, get to independence and quit your stressful working for money, working for a bad boss sort of a job and do things that you enjoy, spend your life doing things. That's what FIRE really means. But coming to your point, I also do not know what I might do if I stopped working in a regular 9 to 5. Maybe, you know, this podcast is partly born out of that desire to find something that I can continue to do and enjoy whether I earn any money out of it or not is almost secondary. But it is something where I feel like I'm adding value and I'm being productive. And that's something that I love doing. It's a topic that I'm passionate about, right? In my case, I, it is absolutely a number. So uh-huh. the way I approach it, very everybody should just do a basic back of the, uh, what is it called, back of the envelope sort of a calculation. Where do you want to live? Right. So I guess in your case, in my case, maybe even in Sid's case, it's India. How much money do you think you will spend in India as of today? If you were to retire now, literally like right now, you take that number, you multiply it minimum by 25. You can multiply it by a higher number, but minimum by 25, which goes around to the 4% rule. People can read up about it. And then you come up with a number. right? And that's like the bare minimum that you should have to be able to confidently retire. But that comes with the caveat that you should have that amount of money plus your insurance policies need to be in place. And if you are so inclined, you should have already bought a house. So this yeah, money so th- apart from them. Yeah, so I'm aware of this multiply by 25. And this is where I kind of philosophically want to understand or I dive across both sides, right? My needs and wants, what they were, five years ago, six years ago of how my lifestyle was is very different from what it is now. And I can't say with certainty it will be the same. Like I can say with certainty it will change. I don't know if it will go up, go down, but I know it will change. This is where I kind of struggle with putting down a number saying that, yeah, you know what, my current lifestyle is great, but is that exactly what I want when I am whatever, 50, 60 and above? Or is there something else that I want? Is there something a little lesser that I want? So that, I think the phase of life that you're in needs and wants that changes will make this number with with a lot of a margin of error. It can be plus or minus 25-30% of what you might actually put down. So that's where it's still good to have this number. Like you said, back of envelope calculations always good. It's an anchor. You can baseline off of it. But I still work on figuring out am, what's the kind of lifestyle that I want. I'm trying to answer those, those questions. It's not necessarily financial. It's a little more meta philosophical of what lifestyle I want. Then I'll figure out reverse back calculate it and see that yeah I guess I need X amount and then we can decide what needs to be and then the what needs to be done part of also which is I think a bigger question but yeah there's a great article by Morgan Housel on similarly themed topic he writes a blog on the collaborativefund.com psychology of money is his absolutely mind-blowing book the article is called how to get the goalpost to stop moving um which basically points to the fact yeah. that 
you know, obviously you earn more, you spend more, your lifestyle evolves, you want to live more comfortably, more luxuriously. But at some point, from a financial independence perspective, you have to get the goalposts open. Beyond that, it would stand to reason that a lot of your choices in life would be more experiential than true materialistic. So there's only so much house that you can live in, right? Beyond <laughs> maybe 2,000, 3,000 square footage. So those are the kind of things that he kind of touches on and is like, okay, you want to design your life? What causes do you want to support? Not just with money, but with your time, with your skills, with your brain. Do you want to spend time in nature? Varun, I know you love music. Have a knack and talent for music. How much time do you want to spend on music? And does that really cost you money? Because you have the equipment. Maybe once in a while you replace something, but essentially what you're looking for is having a group of cool people to hang out with. Maybe playing a gig somewhere. Does that really factor into your lifestyle from an expense perspective or experience perspective and what's the cost of that. So I think that after a certain point when you have covered your basis, those are the questions that you start getting to and start answering, which allows you to get the financial goalpost to stop moving. But life obviously evolves. As you said, you are not the same person you were maybe four or five years ago. That's true for all of us. And we will absolutely change in the next five 10, 15, 20, whatever number of years. So, yeah, I think that's that's kind of that. Quick, quick plug-in for the audience. Varun is an awesome musician. And we'll put in the show notes his Instagram channel where he says some of his content. Please do look at it. Thanks, Rohit. Very nice of you. But I'm telling you, this was fun. I'm walking away firstly. As soon as I got get off this, maybe I also need to schedule some insurance calls. I need to relook, which is good. That's kind of what I was also hoping for to generate, get some takeaways from this. This is nice. But Mazaya, guys, I've also been enjoying listening to all that you guys have been putting out. Keep at it. Uh, and yes, for all those who are still listening on, give all the episodes, not just this one, a listen and leave some comments. We'll figure out what next to be talked about. 100%. Thanks so much uh, for joining us, Varun. We look forward to having you again at some point soon. Hopefully, we all learned something.